so much uh, for having us today. I want to say thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to present our ministry. Thank you, church, for allowing us to be here this morning. It is just a blessing to be in church. Amen. Amen. It is a privilege uh, to be in church this morning. Uh, my name is Joshua Owens. Uh, for those of you who weren't here in Sunday school, my wife, Abby, and we are church uh, planting missionaries to the country of Argentina. We're sent out of Central Baptist Church in Decatur, Illinois. And we're also with Macedonia World Baptist Missions in the state of Georgia. I'm also a second-generation missionary. Uh, my father has been in Argentina since 1986. So I had the privilege of growing up in the mission field, and that has been a huge, huge uh, blessing. I'd like to start by telling you a little bit about ourselves. Um, my, I grew up, in, I was born in the country of Argentina, and I got saved at the age of eight years old during the, in the missions conference in Argentina. I heard... Uh, the gospel message, and I accepted the Lord as my Savior. And then later, uh, God called me to serve Him full-time in the ministry there. And that was, a, that was a, blessed, a blessed day. And then I went to Bible college, and that's where I met my wife, Abby. Abby got saved listening to the Christian radio. And later, God called Abby to serve uh, there in the ministry. So she left uh, college, went to Bible college. We met. After uh, we graduated, we were married, and we have been uh, serving the Lord together in Argentina. I would appreciate your prayers uh, for the country of Argentina. Argentina has 45 million people, and 80%, 80% of the 45 million people consider themselves to be Roman Catholics. Now, the Catholic people have a national holiday, uh, the 8th of December. It's called uh, Virgin's Day, the 8th of December. It's a national holiday where people from all over the country will go to the northern state of Catamarca. Now, to get to Catamarca from Tucumán, where we're serving the Lord, there's around 150 miles. People will walk for 150 miles all the way there to see a big statue of Mary. The craziest thing, the craziest thing is that people walk on their knees for 150 miles on their knees. It takes a while, about a week and a half to two weeks for them to do that. And they do that so they would get a miracle from Virgin Mary. But it's sad because these people don't know the truth. Amen. These people need somebody that would come and tell them about Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross for them. One day I was out so many and I was able to, to talk to a Catholic lady. Uh, her name is Roxana. And you know, her, her family was just destroyed. Her husband had left her. Her kids were alcoholics. And Roxana accepted the Lord as her Savior that day. And, and God just changed her life completely. You know, she started growing in the Lord. Started being faithful in church. And you know, her family got back together. Her kids are not drinking anymore. They're serving the Lord in our church today. Amen. One of our older kids is going to our Bible college right now. So just like this Catholic lady, Roxana, there's a lot of people in Argentina, a lot of Catholic people that have never heard the gospel. You know, there's people in Argentina that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. So we want to go back to the country and we want to start churches. We want to start churches in the northern part of the country. And just one state in Argentina, just one state, has 128 cities and towns that do not have one single church preaching the gospel. They all have a Catholic church, but not a church preaching the gospel. Like I said this morning, Argentina has around 120 churches. 
So that means that we have 120 churches with 45 million people. So Argentina needs around 800 churches. Just that one church for every 50,000 people. So we want to go back. We want to start churches. We also want to help uh, train national pastors in our Bible college. Uh, so when we start a church, uh, we want to leave it with the national pastor and then continue into the next city and start churches all over uh, the northern part of the country. So I would appreciate your prayers uh, for us that we can raise our support as quick as possible. I, I would appreciate your prayers for us that, you know, when we go back to Argentina, that God, that God would use us and that we can win many souls there in Argentina and that we can start many, many churches there. So I would appreciate your prayers uh, for, for us in that area. And um, we're praying for four, four cities right now. We're praying for four cities that need that first Baptist church preaching the gospel. One of these cities has over 100,000 people without one single church preaching the gospel. So thank you so much for praying. If you would open your Bibles to the book of Lamentations, and we will be reading uh, chapter 3 of the book of Lamentations. And I would also appreciate your prayers for us. Uh, today, tonight, we're going to drive to Odessa, uh, Texas. To, uh, and then um, tomorrow, we drive to Indiana. Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock, we have to be in Chicago. Wednesday at 6 o'clock, we have to be in Greenville, South Carolina. So this is going to be a few <laughs> uh, busy days here. So I would appreciate your prayers for us uh, as we travel that the Lord would keep us safe. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3. Chapter 3, and we will be reading verse uh, 40. But let me tell you a little bit about the book of Lamentations. Uh, the book of Lamentations tells us the story of Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah had a broken heart for the people of Jerusalem. The Babylonians had taken the skilled laborers and the wealthy people out of this city. And the only people that were left were poor people. And Jeremiah noticed that in spite of the chastisement of God, these people refused to repent. So they became wicked and corrupt, and, and God, God sent a famine to this city. Now, did you know that this famine was so great that chapter 4 says that mothers ate their own children? Mothers ate their own children. And Jeremiah saw this, and it broke his heart. So Jeremiah writes in chapter 3, verse 48, Chapter 3, verse 48, the Bible says, My eyes run it down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Let's also read verse 51. Verse 51, the Bible says, My eyes affected my heart because of all the daughters of my city. Jeremiah was affected for what he saw. Other people could pass by and see the sin the sadness, the famine of this city. And it didn't bother them. But it did bother Jeremiah. So Jeremiah writes in chapter 1. Let's go back to chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, Is it nothing to you all, ye that pass by? Is it nothing to you all, ye that pass by? In other words, Jeremiah's trying to say here, he's trying to say, don't you see what's going on in this city? Don't you care? Don't you care for the people? Don't you care for the city? 
Let's pray this morning. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for this privilege of being in church today, Lord. Thank you so much for this privilege of serving you, Lord. And Lord, help me today. I just want to be a blessing, Lord. Use me today. Touch our hearts, Lord. We need to hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. Lamentations chapter 1, verse 12. The Bible says, Is it nothing to you all, ye that pass by? In other words, Jeremiah is trying to say here, Don't you see what's going on? Don't you care? So number one, this morning, I would like to remind you today that you had a Jeremiah in your life that cared for you. He had a Jeremiah in your life that had compassion over you. He had somebody that took their time to invite you to church. He had somebody that talked to you about Jesus. He had somebody that prayed for you. He had somebody that cried for you and visited you. He had somebody that shared Jesus with you. You know, somebody, somebody had compassion over my father. My father was going to be aborted in California. But family Owens from Illinois adopted my dad at birth. And then they took him to church. They cared for him at birth and also spiritually. And just like somebody cared for my dad, somebody cared for you. Romans 13 verse 8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Dear brother, dear sister, today we have a debt to pay. Today we have a debt to pay because somebody cared for us. Somebody had compassion over us. Now it's our turn. It's our opportunity to go out and have compassion over others. You know, most of us, when we got saved, there was somebody that cared for you. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a neighbor. But there was somebody that took an interest in your soul. And since you got saved, there was probably a time in your life you were back sitting as a Christian. And a Jeremiah church saw that. A Jeremiah church saw that and they started praying for you. They started trying to encourage you to come back. They visited you. They prayed for you. They cried for you. And you're here tonight. You're in church. You're serving the Lord. Partly because of a Jeremiah that cared for you. So number two, I would like to challenge you. I would like to challenge you today to spend your life caring for other people. I'd like to challenge you today to spend your life having compassion towards other people. And you may ask, Joshua, why, why have compassion for other people? Why care for other people out here? Why care for this city? Why care for my neighbors? Well, you know, one good reason, one good reason to care for other people is because there's a real place. There's a real place called hell. Let's go to Revelations, Revelations chapter 20. There's a real place called hell. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. There's a real place called hell. The Bible says in verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, and brimstones where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, Forever and ever. Cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. Did you know that hell is not temporary? People in Argentina believe that once they die, they go to a place called purgatory. And then the priest comes to your house. And he prays about seven days. 
And that's how you get to heaven. But that is not mentioned in the Bible. Hell is mentioned in the Bible. It's mentioned 19 times in the New Testament and 16 times by Jesus. And hell is an awful place. But God loved us so much that He doesn't want us to go there. You know, in the Word of God, we find that hell, hell is a place of duration, of isolation, reflection. You have a memory in hell. You can remember all those times that you should accept the Lord as your Savior. Hell is a place of rejection, a place of affliction, where there's fire, where there's a worm that dieth not. It's a place of pain. And if you're here this morning, don't leave this morning without accepting the Lord as your Savior. Don't go to this awful place called hell. Remember the story of the rich ruler, Luke chapter 16. This rich man had money, had everything, and ended up in hell. And in hell he had a burden for his five brothers. How many of us have family members today that are not saved? I think we all have somebody in our family that are not saved. I have family in Illinois that are not saved. But you know, this, this man... This man had to go to hell to get a burden for his family. He had to go to hell to get a burden for his five brothers. Do we need to find out how awful is hell before we get a burden for our family or for other people that are lost? This man in hell, he wanted somebody, he wanted somebody to go to his five brothers and tell them about Jesus. There's probably somebody right now in hell asking for somebody to go. And not only to their five brothers, but to their countries, to their cities, to their states, and tell them about Jesus. You know why? Because they can't come out of hell. They can't come out and they can't send someone. But they're asking for somebody to go. And I was thinking that so many times we, we spend Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas dinners and we sit across family members that are not saved. And we don't do anything. We don't talk about the Lord. We're ashamed of talking about Jesus. And that family member that's sitting right across that table, that mother, that sister, that brother, could be on his way to hell. We don't say anything. Even even people in hell don't want people going there. That's how awful it is. And the sad thing is that I know about hell, but I'm not concerned about people that are lost. Sometimes we're more concerned about this life, the things of this earth, than people dying and going to hell, than family members going to hell. Let me share with you a story of a man that cared for this earth. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, a man that only cared for the things of this earth. Luke chapter 12, verse 19. Luke chapter 12, verse 19. The Bible says, And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he, so is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Here we have a man that had money, had everything, lived for this earth, and God called this man a fool. But now, God did not call this man a fool because this man had money. God did not call this man a fool because he had a prosperous life or because he had uh, material possessions. 
God called this man a fool because this man never stopped to think about eternity. His focus, his life, his motivation was all on this earth. And many times we, we're just like this rich fool. We live only for the things of this life. The truth is we care, but we care about the wrong things. We care about making money. We care about having material possessions. We care about sports. We care about so many things. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying these things are wrong. But when you focus your entire life on these things, that when it becomes wrong. You know, we strive on this earth. We strive here on this life doing things to enjoy this life. Not knowing if we're going to live tomorrow. In fact, today we're a day closer to dying than yesterday. And we still live for the things of this earth. We still live for the things that we can touch and have and buy and see and obtain and own. But the Bible says that we should be living for something else. The Bible says that we should be living for the eternal. Let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. This is what we should be living for. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. The Bible says in verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And heaven is where we're supposed to lay our treasures. And heaven is where we're supposed to invest our money, our time, our life. It's all in heaven. The verse continues, Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And also, let's not forget how valuable our souls, how valuable our souls to God, to such an extent that He sent His only Son to die on the cross for souls. What value, what value are you giving to souls today? What value are we giving to souls Today, You know, the Bible says that whatever we do in this earth is going to determine our heavenly rewards. And there's only one thing that's worth your time, your life, your money, your concern. And that is other people and other souls. The highest points of your life won't be honors that people have given you or material possessions that you obtain or own. The highest points of your life is going to be those memories of how God has used you to tell somebody about him. I remember going out soul winning and out. I was able to talk to this man that was working in his garden. His name is Jose. And I, and I stopped to talk to him about, about the Lord. And, and this man, Jose, got so mad. He said, Joshua, I don't want to know anything about God. He said, my wife left me. My daughters left me. Nobody, nobody cares for me. And he said, I don't want to know anything about God and just keep going, keep walking. And I kept on walking that day. And While I was walking, the Lord touched my heart to care for this man. So every Saturday after soul winning, I would, I would go and visit Jose. Even though he didn't want to know anything about God, I would go and visit. One Saturday, we started talking about uh, sports. One Saturday, we started talking about politics. The next Saturday, Jose invited me in, fixed the meal for me. 
And we started eating together every Saturday. And one Saturday, we started talking about Jesus. And that Saturday, Jose accepted the Lord as his Savior. And today, Jose is one of our most faithful members in church. You know, when you look back in your life, when you look back in your life, the most important time of your life is going to be when you had a broken heart for people, for somebody that was lost, for somebody that needed to hear about Jesus. I remember going out. Uh, we, were, we wanted to start a church in this small town uh, called Chicligasta. And, and just to get to, to Chicligasta, you had to drive about an hour and a half. And, and then you turn left in this dirt road. And I remember this dirt road destroying my car in about two months. <laughs> I had to replace everything in my car, like shocks and tires, everything. But once I got to this town, I, I saw 8,000 people that were isolated, that nobody cared for, not even the government. They were drinking water out of a well and riding horses. And we started going out soul winning in this town. And I talked to a lady about the Lord, and she accepted the Lord as her Savior. And I told her that we wanted to start a church in this town, Chicligata, 8,000 people. And this lady got so excited, she said, Joshua, we need a church. There's a Catholic church right downtown. And then she said, but there's not a church that's preaching what you just told me. That day the Lord touched my heart to start churches in Argentina. You know, there's cities that have 100 to 500,000 people without one single church preaching the gospel. You know, this world, this world is just crying out for people that would care for them. There's so many people here in this city that nobody cares for and we need to go out there, look for these people. And tell them about Jesus. You know, in the Word of God, we find people that cared for other people. A good example of this is is Paul. Paul in Romans chapter 9, Paul said that he was willing to give his life. He was willing to die and go to hell so that others could get to hear about Jesus. We need more people like Paul today that are willing to sacrifice their lives so that others could get to hear about Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 1 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel, is that they might be saved. Paul's prayer, Paul's desire was that people would get saved. Is that our desire today? That people would get saved here in this town. That people would get saved here where you work, where you live, in this state, Texas. Is that our desire today? I hope that is our desire today. You know what the people need in Argentina? You know what the people need here in the States? You know what your family members need today is compassion. They need somebody that would come with God's compassion. Now compassion, compassion is a desire that responds to the needs of the people. It's more than feeling sorry because when we feel sorry, we don't do anything. But compassion should move you to action. And a perfect, a perfect example of compassion in action is the life of Jesus. Let me share with you a few verses of Jesus having compassion in action. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9, Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Jesus is that perfect example of compassion in action. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, the Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, 
He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus, Jesus sees this group of Jewish people and at that time he feels compassion for them. And he uses that phrase like, like sheep having no shepherd. And that's what moved Jesus' heart. It was compassion for the people. Compassion was like an engine that would move Jesus to care for the people, to feed the people, to preach to the people, to heal the people. He did it all out of compassion. And he also had compassion for you. He had compassion for me that he came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins out of compassion. Let me share with you another verse, Matthew 15, Matthew 15, 32. Matthew 15, 32, the feeding of 4,000 men, not counting women and children. Matthew 15, 32. Matthew 15, 32, the Bible says, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitudes, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. The multiplication of the bread and of the fish. The feeding of 4,000 men, not counting women and children. It was not moved. It was not moved to make a show. It was not moved because the people had faith that Jesus can multiply the fish and the bread. It was moved only because Jesus had compassion over people. And to your brother, dear sister, today... I'd like to remind you, you know, so, so many times we, we feel all alone in our lives. We feel like nobody sees our trials, nobody sees what we're going through. But let me remind you today that God sees it. God sees your trials. God sees your illness. God sees your loneliness. And God has compassion over you. So now it's our turn. It's our opportunity. It is our privilege to go out and have compassion over others. To go out and share Christ to others. Compassion will change your life. Compassion will make a difference. If you're discouraged today, if you're going through trials in your life, if you're going through depression this morning, I'd like to encourage you to go out here, to go into town, to look for somebody and have compassion over Tell them about Jesus. It will change your life. Before I left Argentina, I had, a, I had a young man come up to me and he told me his testimony of how, of how his soccer coach abused him as a child. And this man had so much hate in his heart that he would go all around town and he would shoot people. He would do drugs. He would rob people. And he said, Joshua, I did that because I wanted everybody to feel the same way I felt. But this young man one day got saved, started coming to church. And in church, he found a group of people that cared for him, a group of people that had compassion over him. And that hate was turned into love. Today, he's serving in our church. He cleans the auditorium every Sunday. He helps in our Sunday school. Sunday mornings, we bring children from all over the city. 
We feed them and we give them the gospel. He's helping in those ministries. Somebody had compassion over him. Now he is having compassion over other people. 2,600 years ago, Jeremiah walked the streets of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah saw the, the sin, the sadness, the famine of this city. Jeremiah looked around and nobody cared. Nobody cared for the people. Nobody cared for the city. Nobody cared for the sin of the city. Nobody cared for other people. And Jeremiah said, is it nothing? Is it nothing to you all, ye that pass by? Is it nothing to you all, ye that pass by? In closing this morning, I would like to ask you today, Where's your heart? Where, where's your heart this morning? Where's your heart today? Is your heart in this world? And the things that we can touch and, and buy and have and see and own, is your heart there? Where's your heart in that family member that needs Jesus? That co-worker that's on his way to hell. Where's your heart today? What group of people you care for? You know, there's people on this earth that if you had a love, compassion, a burden, God would use you. And you can win many souls. And you know, there's people right here in this town where you live, where you shop, where you work, that if you had a love, a burden, compassion for them, God would use you. And you can win many, many souls. Let's read one last verse. Let's go to Jude. Jude, verse 22. Jude, verse 22. Jude, verse 22, the Bible says, in Jude, verse 22, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And of some have compassion, making a difference. Compassion will change your life. Compassion will make a difference. I want to encourage you today with this message. And then this coming week, today when we leave church, tomorrow when you go into your jobs, tomorrow when you go into that Walmart, that gas station, I want to encourage you to stop for a minute and look at the people and have compassion. You know, there's people here in this city, there's people where you live, where you work, that are dying and going to hell. And they need one person that would stop and care for them. They need one person that would have compassion for them. They need one person that would tell them about Jesus. They need one person. Just like somebody had compassion over us. Amen. You know, one, that one person could be you. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for being so good to us, Lord. We don't deserve it. Lord, thank you so much for having compassion towards us, Lord. We don't deserve it, Lord. Lord, help us to have compassion over the city, Lord, over the state. Lord, help us to have compassion over our family members that don't know you, over our coworkers. Lord, that, that our eyes that our eyes would affect our heart, like Jeremiah said, Lord. And help us in this coming week, 
to share to somebody about you, Lord, to talk to somebody about you, to invite somebody to the church, Lord. Help us to win many souls. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care.
upon him.